Well, turning to the, the message for today, we're going to continue our series in Ephesians. This is the penultimate one. Next week, Al will complete it with a, a sort of overarching message. Today, we come to the last few verses of Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, I've called this message Three Heartbeats. And uh, I hope that will become clear as to why I've, I've used that heading. This is the final words of Paul in this particular letter, which was one of the pinnacles of the New Testament of his writing. And uh, so when you come to the end of a letter, you're thinking, aren't you, about what haven't I said? What do I want to make sure I include before I sign off? And these are the, the verses that we've got in front of us today. It's a bit like um, there are three themes, three heartbeats, and it's a bit like it seems to me the when you slice open a, a, a piece of rock at the seaside and you've got these, these words that are you know, written right through the entire length of the piece, stick of rock. And it's like these three heartbeats, these three themes that come out in this little passage actually reflect the entire uh, themes of Paul's letters and of the New Testament. And I hope we'll see that. And God wants to change us as we look at his word and the truth that's in it this morning. Let's read, first of all, from Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. We'll just read the first couple of verses, and we'll talk about those, and then we'll, we'll take the second, the second section. Uh, Paul says this, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, keep alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So our first heartbeat is simply this. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Such an integral part of our standing, we've talked about sit, walk and stand, our standing in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. And Paul says in verse 18, pray in the Spirit. And of course this prayer, prayer, prayer picks up the heart of Jesus who, who, who often withdrew himself, the Bible tells us, to lonely places to pray. It was his practice. And tells the disciples and through their recording of it in Scripture in Luke 18, tells us, uh, he told them a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. <laughs> and he goes on to talk about a persistent widow who prayed and prayed and prayed. And so this is not an isolated verse kind of tucked in at the end of Ephesians. This actually reflects a biblical theme for us. And it's a challenging one, isn't it? And Paul says, pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit as we pray. What's that look like? Well, I want to suggest a few things you might want to make a note of. First of all, intentionally submit to the Spirit. When we're praying, come to him consciously and say, Lord, I want you. Please lead me. I come before you. I want to be sensitive to you. I want to be opening my heart, the ears of my heart and my spirit to listen to what you're saying and prompting me to pray. Secondly, to be led by the Spirit is then to trust him that he will lead you. Having asked him, he lives inside you anyway by his spirit, trust he's going to lead you as you pray. 
Things will pop into your head as you're praying. Don't think, oh, that's a distraction. No, think, hang on, this could be a prompting of the Spirit. I believe that nine times out of ten it is. And for years and years and years, I didn't realize that. I used to think when stuff popped into my head when I was praying, oh, no, why am I thinking about that? Let's put that out the way. I'm praying about this. Not realizing, actually, the Holy Spirit himself was probably trying to prompt me to pray about that thing that he just put in my mind. Trust him to lead you when you're praying. Sense him. Sense him. In your spirit, allow yourself to tune in, if you like, to to be aware, to be sensitive to, ooh, there's something in my spirit that's getting tugged here. You'll feel, you'll feel a kind of this little tug of the spirit sometimes. Take notice of that and pray. And I say pray while the burden, the call, the tug remains. It's difficult to know sometimes how long to keep on praying, to pray in the spirit. Daniel in the, in the Old Testament is recorded as he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for three weeks. Um, before he got an answer. And an angel then came and helped him to understand what had been going on. It's actually there's been a battle going on in heaven while you've been praying. Uh, and that's why you haven't had an answer yet, because there's a battle going on. Now, if he'd stopped praying after seven days, would God have stopped fighting? Not sure he would. And yet somehow, God was engaging Daniel in the process as well. So there's a mystery in prayer. We don't always understand quite why. But what we do know absolutely for sure is God says, pray and keep praying. Jesus said, pray and keep praying. And so my bottom line would be, when you are aware of a, a burden, a sense, or something that you feel you're kind of stirred to pray, just keep praying day by day, week by week, until you feel that gone away. I remember praying for something in our family some, some while ago now, and uh, I prayed and fasted um, each day for about three months, not all day every day for three months, I'd have died, but uh, you know, an element of that, um, until I just it felt like the time had come to stop. Um, and so there's that, trying to hear God and, uh, and be led by the Spirit in your praying, really important. Praying in the Spirit, of course, can also mean praying in a spiritual language, praying in tongues, we sometimes say. And that's a key part of our prayer life as well, of course. For me, that's often praying uh, in, in, in the spiritual language, in tongues when I'm walking or cycling or driving the car, things like that often seem to be where the habit works for me. Moving on. Be alert, Paul says. Uh, I've found, I don't know whether you have, but lying down to pray generally doesn't work. For obvious reasons. Always keep on praying, he says, the persistent widow. Um, okay, why do we have to persist? Well, it's the way it works. <laughs> That's the bottom line. It's the way it works. It's the way God's ordained it. It's the way Jesus taught us to pray, to persist. Uh, it's not because God's unwilling to answer. It's not that. Of course it's not. Uh, but it does express our dependence on God. And that's really critical in the process. And it recognizes that we're in a battle, as we said, as regards Daniel. Pray in the Spirit. Pray as long as the burden remains. Pray for all the saints, Paul says. The worldwide family of God. We've just prayed for the Indian believers. Pray for everyone in this church. If you're a member of Community Church, I would encourage you, pray for everyone in this church, especially the ones you find most challenging, because God will give us grace for each other more and more as we do that. What's my response to this injunction of Paul to pray, pray, pray? Is to say to God, help, help. Because I'm not very good at this. 
And uh, I've given you a couple of highlight stories, but my prayer life is not all like that. Okay, just so you know. Let's pray, shall we? Let's ask him to help us. Father, Holy Spirit, we read scriptures like this, we, we hear the instruction of Jesus, and we're immediately aware of our inadequacies. And Lord, I ask you, we ask you, come on us by your Spirit. I pray, come on us now and infuse us with a fresh burden to pray and heart and spirit to pray. Would you cause us to come alive to prayer in a new way? But also, Lord, when we do pray, we ask you, touch us, stir us, sensitize us to the burden that you're carrying, the things that you're calling us to pray over. I pray for that right across this community to be our increased experience as we spend time with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We read verses 19 and 20. I'll read them quickly again because this comes on to the second heartbeat of Paul and of the New Testament. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So this second heartbeat is mission, mission, mission. This, again, runs right through the New Testament and right through the, the epistles of Paul. Jesus said, didn't he, go and make disciples of all nations until the end of the age, which has not yet come. So it still stands. And he says, pray for him that he may pray fearlessly. He may pre speak fearlessly. Now, that word fearlessly is fascinating. It, the root of it is with all outspokenness. So it's to speak out the truth of the gospel. And he says, pray for me that I would speak out because it's easy not to. And we all know that, don't we? Whether in public or in private. Pray for frankness that conceals nothing, is what one of the commentators says. And we can pray for one another for that as well. Pray for the preachers that words may be given me, Paul says. Pray for the preachers in this church that words may be given us as we preach that would include, of course, the declaration of the truth of the gospel of salvation. And then, of course, we're not all preachers, but we are all witnesses. And Acts 2.32, Pentecost is the day, and Peter, in talking to the crowd... Uh, the Spirit's been poured out. The believers have all spoken in tongues. And they've all declared the wonders of God. And Peter says in verse 32, we are all witnesses of the fact. And he goes on to talk about what's happened with Jesus. We're all witnesses of the fact. We were in Oldborough for a few days recently, once we were allowed to, to travel a little bit, and uh, on the Suffolk coast. And uh, it was a bitterly cold northerly wind, but it was a sunny day. And as we're walking along by the beach, this boy of about 12 years of age probably uh, came out uh, across the road onto the beach wearing what was obviously a swimming um, sort of robe thing, and, uh, which he hadn't even bothered getting done up. And uh, so it was obvious he was wearing his trunks underneath. And I said to him, uh, are you going in? Are you going in the sea? He says, yeah. I said, well, you're a braver man than me. Boy, that was cold. 
And do you know what? A couple of weeks ago, Jeff Turnbull brought a prophetic picture to us as a church community. And he saw us approaching a sea. And like Moses approached the Red Sea. Do you remember this? And as we stepped into it, like Moses did, it became people. He realized this is a sea of people. And as we walked through, then this sea of people turned around and started to follow us. And so my question to us today on this one is, have you stepped into the sea? Will you step into the sea? Are you going, are you going in? Like this 12-year-old boy said, are you going in? I thought, boy, you're a braver man than I. Are you going in? God's call to us is to go in. Will you go into the sea? Will you go into this sea of people who are waiting to hear about Jesus, who are waiting to be somebody to offer to pray for them for their need? It's intentionally stepping in. A few days ago, I intentionally met some friends of mine and uh, one of them started to talk to me about a situation in his home and uh, as a result of which I'm going to be going to pray in his home for him and for his situation there. I had no idea that was going to happen. But please pray for me that God will really come and do something. Show himself to be who he is in that family. Jesus, let's just pray for a second. Jesus, would you stir our hearts? Just as we pray, I'm remembering what we sung a little bit earlier. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill us with your heart and lead us in your love to those around us with all outspokenness. Let me be outspoken for a moment to you. If you're not a believer in Jesus, then I want to say to you that he loves you. His heart is for you. He wants a relationship with you. But he, Jesus, the Father, the Holy Spirit, God, He is pure, he's holy, he's righteous, he's just. He's all of those things. He's loving. And because he's full of integrity, he cannot overlook all the stuff that's wrong in your life and mine. And say, well, never mind, I'll I'll forget that. We can can have a relationship anyway. Because of all this stuff that we carry with us that's not good, we cannot come into a relationship with a totally pure, utterly holy God who's full of integrity even though he's also full of love so he solved the problem by coming himself in Jesus dying on a cross in order to take on himself the consequences of your and my wrongdoing stuff we call it in the Bible sin he said I will take all of that off you and put it all on me on the cross as I suffer the punishment that actually would otherwise be the consequence of all this stuff. I'll take it all on me if you will give it to me. And his offer to you is, will you give me all your stuff, all your sin, so I can take it away and then you as an imperfect person can have a relationship with a perfect, holy, pure, just God. Will you worship him? 
Will you come to him? Will you receive Jesus? Because you need to. If you have to have a relationship with God, both now and in the life to come. To be with him rather than to be separated from him, which is what will otherwise have to happen. But that is your choice. Father, we pray that you will be moving in all of our hearts to help people who don't yet know you to come to know you. And if you don't yet know him, may he move in your heart to move you to come to him, to receive him, to receive the salvation that he offers to you. If you want to find out more about that, then a number is going on up on the screen now, which we will monitor over the next few days. So you can text in to that number, and I will be really pleased to respond to you, to get back to you in whatever way is going to be helpful for you, to help you on your journey. God bless you. Let's close out by reading the last couple of verses. Verses 21. This is Paul giving Tychicus, one of his friends, an apostolic mandate. And you might be surprised at what it is. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I'm, what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. We've talked about praying, praying, praying. Mission, mission, mission. And now here at the heart, at the very end of this letter, we have what I've called community, community, community. Because this apostolic mission that Paul sends Tychicus on is not at all what you might expect. He describes him, does you notice, as a dear brother, there's real relationship there, and a faithful helper. And he says, I want him to tell you how I am. That's his first thing. It's not what's happening on the mission. It's he wants him to tell him how he is inwardly. There's relationship, it's important as well as, and what I'm doing. He says, I want him to, I'm sending him to you for this purpose, that you may know how I am. Let me go back to the verse again. That you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. This is relational. This is community. This is right at the end. Before, so before I sign off, I'm going to send one of my helpers to you, and this is the reason. I want to strengthen the connection that we have together and our understanding of one another, what's going on inside how we are as well as what we're doing. And he says, peace to the brothers. That, of course, is, the commentators say, it's, it's peace both with God and between each other. Peace in both senses, horizontal to God. So horizontal to each other, vertical to God. And grace to bring all of this about. You see, in this reset season, as I close, God is wanting us to be a hub, a community of God's people, but without becoming a huddle who are focused only on ourselves. He is also wanting us to be those who are praying for one another and for the mission of God 
praying for the preachers, praying that God would use us because we're all witnesses of the fact. And together, individually and on, in our small groups and in all that we do, every, every aspect of church life, we're also on a mission that carries on until Jesus comes back at the end of the age. Let's pray together, shall we, as we close. Jesus, we want to be those who are uh, people of prayer. But we need your help. We want to be those who are on mission. But we need your help. We want to be those who are right in the community of your people. But we need your help. And we say, as we just sit before you, write on our hearts what is on your heart for us today and for this week. And then pour out your spirit and grace that we be those who put it into practice and see our lives changed and the community around us changed as a consequence. In Jesus' name.